and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. It's not just for couples, it's wonderful for couples, but it's also great for friendships, it's invaluable for parenting, uh, and even your relationships with coworkers and your boss. Now the concepts are so good in this book that I'm gonna take the first few minutes of tonight's message and just outline the basic concepts of the book. So the premise is that each of us has either one or two ways that we feel the most loved. All right, so when somebody does one of these five different ways of showing us love, that's how we feel the most love, all right? So let me explain. So there are five different ways that are outlined in the book. The first one is quality time. So those of us who have the, the love language, you know, the primary love language of quality time, we feel the most loved when someone wants to spend time with us or sets aside time or schedules time and just kind of bees with those individuals. That's how they feel the most love. The second one is words of affirmation. So if you have this as your primary or secondary love language, what that means is that you feel the most loved when someone tells you that they like you or that they love you or they tell you good things about you. They could also be writing it into a letter or an email or a text. It's, it's words of affirmation that make you feel the most loved. A third way is acts of service. So if you have this as one of your top primary uh, love languages, that means that you feel the most loved when someone does something for you, like mows the lawn for you, or maybe does the dishes, or maybe runs to the store to pick something up, or goes and gets a cup of water for you. You get it? You kind of getting what I'm, where I'm going with this? Uh, there's two more. The fourth one is physical touch. So someone with this as their primary love language, they feel the most loved when someone just reaches over and you know, pats them on the back or holds their hand or gives them a hug. You know, those kinds of things, just kind of reaches out and lets them know physically that they care about them. And then the, the last one is receiving gifts. So someone who has this as their primary love language, they feel the most loved when someone buys them a gift, you know, gives them a gift. But it's not just any gift. I mean, it has to be a thought out gift, exactly what they wanted, the right color, the right size, from the right store. You know, that means that you love me if you buy me something. Does that make sense? So those are the, the five primary love languages described in this book. I'm giving this book away. Who wants it? Raise your hand. All right, here we go. Okay, so now we all have a primary and secondary love language. All of them are nice to have. I mean, we could all say, hey, I, I like it when someone gives me a gift or I like it when someone gives me a hug. But uh, most of the time, there's like one or two that are the most important to us. We can usually tell which ones they are by what we complain about, <laughs> just so you know. Man, you never, you never spend time with me. That probably means what? That they have a love language of quality time. Or, you know, we just, we just never... Um, Never do anything around the house for me. You know, it's those kind of things. Then it's like acts of service. So when Rose and I first met, I was really good at the, 
the showing love by buying gifts. I was really good at that, you know? So I studied Rose. I'm like, oh, okay, what size does she wear? You know, what colors does she like? You know, and I went all out and I buy her clothes, I buy her jewelry, you know, and ask her questions. And you know, she'd get that gift and she'd look at it and go, oh, that's nice, and set it aside. <laughs> like, man, all right, I gotta spend more money. So I go out and spend more money. <laughs> And she's like, oh, that's nice. Puts it aside. I'm like, man, I am struggling here. So one day we were over at her house and she says, hey, would you, would you mind changing that light bulb for me? I just can't reach it. And so I stood up on a chair and changed the light bulb. And she just had these hearts in her eyes. She was like, oh, I love you. You know, I was like, that's all I got to do is change light bulbs. And I'm in. I fixed her computer. I mean, it was all kinds of cool things that I did. Acts of service, that means the most to Rose. And I tell you, it saved me a lot of money over the years <laughs> figuring that out. But if Rose, if I want Rose to feel loved, that's one of the things that I need to do is I need to do acts of service. Speaking each other's love language is really, really important. And if we want those around us to feel loved by us, we need to understand this. We need to be able to speak their language. Now hold that thought. We're in a series this summer called Top Priorities, Putting First Things First. It's a series based on the two greatest commandments, which are to love God and love our neighbor. And since those two commandments are so important, again, we've, re we've incorporated that into our church's purpose statement. So our simple purpose statement is, Lighthouse Vineyard Church exists to train and encourage people to love God, love people, and shine Jesus within the city of Elkhart and the surrounding county. So simply put, we want everyone who calls Lighthouse Vineyard Church their church home to love God, love people, and shine Jesus. So today's message, we're gonna focus on how to love God. That seems like a daunting task, doesn't it? How do we love God? And we'll be using the same scripture we've been using, and there are some hints in it, I believe, that will help us to understand God's love language, because I kind of believe that God has a love language as well. So we're going to be reading Mark chapter 12. You can turn there. It will also be on the screen. Verse 28. But just to set it up, again, Jesus is speaking in the temple in Jerusalem. He's been uh, confronted by some of the teachers of the law. He's been answering their questions really, really well. It's about a week before they actually end up crucifying Jesus. He dies and then he rises again on the third day. So a teacher of the law approaches him to ask a question in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So today's message is titled, Strategic Expression, Showing God Our Love for Him. So it's a message about showing God how much we love Him. Before, I'm going to give you two points, but before we do that, let me pray. So Lord, we come to you right now and we know that you want to hear from us, that you want to feel loved by us, God. It's one thing just to say it, 
but it's another thing to really express it strategically to you, Lord. So I pray, God, that you would open up this scripture to us, that you would guide us and direct us, Lord, and that we would walk away from here tonight with a better relationship with you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. We can show God we love him by, number one, speaking all of his love languages. All of his love languages. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30, uh, it says, the most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, o, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So here's my theory. My theory is that God doesn't have just one primary love language. He feels loved when we express all of the love languages back to him. He created love. He's the author of love. And there are many different ways that we can show God that we love him. They're all important. So I think the scripture is a hint to us. It talks about our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. So I've got a framework around it uh, for us tonight around those four things. So when it comes to God, I don't think that we should just pick a language. I think we should focus on all of these opportunities to show God that we love him. So the very first one, loving God with our heart, includes, and you can fill this in, songs of worship. Again, there are many ways to show God, but I'm going to talk about one tonight, showing God that we love him. It's to sing songs of worship. And when I think of our heart, I think of the emotional side of our being, Right? You know, many times we think of a broken heart or I love you with all my heart. Um, and one of the best ways that we can show our emotions is through music. Do you guys know that over half of the songs written, you know, like the top 10 songs written are about love and relationships? In fact, I found a statistic on Billboard's top, top 10. 24 of the 40 songs in the modern area, era 60% and half the songs of the classic era were devoted to the subject of love and relationships. Most music is written about love. And in the same way, when we look at the lyrics of most of the worship songs that we sing here uh, at Lighthouse, they're written about our love for God. So when we sing songs of worship, it's an opportunity for us to show God that we love him. And this has been going on for thousands of years. This isn't something new. In Psalms chapter 100, the psalmist says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And in Psalms 101, he says, I will sing of your love and justice to you, Lord. I will sing praise. So we can sing songs to God to show our love for him. It's one of the ways that we can love him with our heart. We can do it corporately like we did already tonight, or we can do it when we're alone. Um, I know there are times at six o'clock in the morning, I get out my guitar and I am down in the corner of the basement so nobody can hear me, but I'll just sing a song of worship to God. I think he appreciates that as much as he does when we sing corporately together. But I will tell you, when we're singing together, don't just mouth the words. Anybody done that where you can sing the song and your mind is somewhere else? I don't think that's showing love to God, you know? So I would encourage you when we sing songs of worship, you know, there may be times when you just need to close your eyes and picture God and that's who we're singing to. 
because that's what matters to God. It's not just the words themselves. It's our heart behind it. It's our mind's attention to it. So that's how we can show God what love with our hearts is through songs of worship. Loving God with our soul includes daily conversations. When Rose and I were first dating, we talked every day. We talked all the time. We talked on the phone. We get together and talk. Uh, we went for walks and talked, went on dates and talked, spent time together and talked. <laughs> I looked forward, I really did look forward to seeing her or talking to her every day, spent time together with each other. And through that, you know, we kind of said to each other jokingly, but half serious, we became soulmates, you know, during that time. So if we want to love God with our soul, which is really the essence of our being, it's all that we are. If we want to be soulmates with God, it's going to take time. All right. We can't have a relationship with God if we don't take time and spend it with him. First Thessalonians chapter five says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always is, is about everything that's going on. We're going to rejoice and give God credit for it. Praying continually is just having conversations and, and just thanking God as we move along, thanking him for the sunrise, thanking him for the sunset, thanking him for air conditioning in here tonight. And we can make this a habit, just remembering that God is always present. He's always with us. And he wants to have conversations with us. Now, how that works for each of us can be different. Uh, I like to go for walks in nature. That's when I feel closest to God. That's when we have conversations is when I'm out in nature. Uh, some people like to do it when they're running or biking. I'm just trying to breathe when I do that. So it doesn't work for me. But for some of you, that's a, a time that's spent with God. Some people like to do it while they're driving, you know, just have conversations with God. Uh, daily times of prayer is one of those times when we can spend time and have the conversation. But I would encourage you, don't just pray and ask God for things. Take time to stop and listen for a response as well. So that's loving God with our soul. And then loving God with our mind includes reading the Bible. I already mentioned that Rose and I, when we were first dating, uh, would talk on the phone. We would actually talk on the phone. This is crazy because we were well into our 30s, you know, at that time, we talked for like three or four hours on the phone, right? I mean, we did, till like one o'clock in the morning. It's like, what did we talk about during all of that? But I remember what we were trying to do, because we, we cared so much about each other, is that we were trying to find out everything about each other. Like, where did you go to school? Who was your first grade teacher? Do you remember having elementary lunch? You know, what was your favorite lunch? What's your favorite color? You know, all those kind of things. I forgot all of them now, but, um, but I wanted to get to know her, you know? And as I was asking her questions, you know, she felt loved by me. And as she was asking me questions, wanting to, to know who I was, I felt loved by her. Well, showing God that we love him means that we want to know about him as well. The neat thing is that God already wrote an autobiography called the Bible. You know, he laid it out there. And it's the story of God's love for us. It's the beginning of all things up until now. You know, everything's laid out in the Bible. And he wants us to know about him. It's his story. 
Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So the book of the law is the Bible, you know? Joshua is saying we should, we should study that. We should know it. And then in Psalms it says, uh, 119 verse 9 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do, let me, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So loving God with our minds includes studying and reading the Bible and understanding who God is through the written word. It's a way that we can show God that we love him. And then loving God with our strength, the fourth area includes serving others. Okay, it includes serving others. To serve God, we have to serve others. It's just the way it works. I'm actually going to hit that pretty hard next week, so I won't go into much detail uh, tonight on this. But I did want to read uh, one section of scripture. So it's Matthew chapter 25. It's a long section here, but it really gives us an understanding of how much God cares about our attention to others, to others in need. So Matthew chapter 25, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. So he's talking about the end of the age. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So if we want to serve God, actively serve God, we need to be willing to serve others, to serve those who are in need. That's how we serve God with our strength. And again, next week, we'll start talking about that a lot more. So that's point number one. We can show God that we love him by speaking all of his love languages. Here's point number two. We can show God we love him by being fully committed, by being fully committed. Mark chapter 12 again says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. See, God doesn't want half-hearted love. I mean, nobody does, right? Nobody wants half-hearted friendships. 
Nobody wants half-hearted workers. God wants our whole heart. In fact, half-heartedness is actually detestable to God. It's described as lukewarm in Revelation chapter 3. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You know, it just reminds me of coffee, right? Everybody loves cold coffee and hot coffee, but nobody likes lukewarm coffee, you know? Same thing with water, too. We'll have hot water for tea, ice water, but nobody likes just that lukewarm. Well, Rose likes lukewarm water, but she does. I don't know. Most people don't. But it's the, true, it's the same thing with our relationships. We don't want half-heartedness, lukewarm relationships. I had a conversation with a young adult last week. He was trying to figure out his purpose in life. He's trying to figure out his plans, his next steps, all those kinds of things. And he had a lot of people telling him a lot of things. And so I, I met with them and I said, hey, one thing's for sure. You can trust God, all right? So you should just seek after God and find out what he has for you. You know, what, whatever it is. And then just, but before you do that, you should make a decision in your, in your mind that you're going to do whatever he asks you to do. And his response to me was, well, that's, that's kind of scary. You know, to, to say yes to something that you don't really know what you're saying yes to. But being fully committed is kind of scary. I mean, it just is. Because you don't know what God's going to ask you to do. He might ask you to start a church in Elkhart. You never know. It could be something like that. But I can tell you what. God will never let you down. It may be scary. It may be uncomfortable. You may be asked to do things that you've never done before. But I'll tell you what, he'll never take you down the wrong path. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be by your side. And, and I guarantee you, it'll be a much better plan for your life than what you could ever come up with yourself. It is. But if we're going to show God that we love him, again, we can't be half-hearted. We have to be willing to do what he says. Jesus said in the book of John, if you love me, again, the question about love, how do we love God? If you love me, keep my commands. Do what I ask you to do. And then the author John states it again in 1 John, he says, this is love for God to obey his commands. If we want to show God that we love him, simple obedience is a big, big deal. And that scripture doesn't say, Obey some of his commands. Obey the ones that I'm comfortable with. Obey the ones that are best for me. And he says, obey his commands. All is implied there. Everything that he asks you to do. Jesus was all about this fully committed thing. I like to determine all in. In fact, uh, when we had a home group uh, at the last church, we, we called our group all in. And our group went on mission trips, served. We just tried to be all in in everything that we did because that's what Jesus wants us to do. So we challenged each other in that way. But Jesus has that kind of language. In Luke chapter 9, it's just one example. He says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He basically said, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to sleep under a roof. I mean, we're going to sleep on the ground, in the desert, in the rain, in the sun. We're not going to have a place to live. It's going to be really uncomfortable. Are you sure that you want to be in on this? Then he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. He wanted to go, let his father die, have an inheritance, you know, live out that life. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's all in. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Man, that's all in language. If we don't think that being a Christian means being fully committed, being all in, we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. There's another story about this that I love. It's about the prophet Elisha. He was going to be the, the one to follow Elijah. So um, Elijah it was a prophet in the Old Testament. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, it starts, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So Elisha was a farmer, okay? That's, that was his deal. Elijah was a well-known prophet, okay? So Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, which signified that you're going to be my successor, okay? Elisha then ran left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He says, let me kiss my father and mother and say goodbye, and then I will come after you. And Elijah said, go back. What have I done for you? So get this. This is what Elisha does. Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Elisha was a farmer. He had money invested in that yoke of oxen. He had money invested in that plowing equipment. And he went all in because there was no way he was going to go back to farming once he killed the oxen and once he burned the plowing equipment. I mean, that was a way of saying, I'm in on this. I don't know what's, what's going to be in front of me, but I know I'm not going back. I mean, that's being fully committed, fully devoted. So here's a question for you, something for you to consider. Are you all in? Are you fully committed to whatever God asks you to do? Are you willing to say yes when he asks you to do something? It's scary. It's frightening. But it develops faith, and we can trust him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working out all things in our lives for his good and for our good. But we have to be willing to be fully committed, willing to say yes to whatever he asks us to do. That's how we show God that we love him. So here's the truth you can write in. God's all-in love for us deserves are all in response to him. If we really want to show God that we love him, 
we have to be fully committed. We have to be all in. All right, so I'm going to invite Chris to come back up here. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.